ان الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا ومن سيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له واشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله قال الله سبحانه وتعالى في القران الكريم بعد اعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم يا ايها الذين امنوا اتقوا الله حق تقاته ولا تموتن الا وانتم مسلمون اما بعد ان اصدق الحديث كتاب الله وخير الهدي هدي محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم وشر الامور محدثاتها وكل محدثه بدعه وكل بدعه ضلاله رب اشرح لي وكل ضلاله في النار رب اشرح لي صدري ويسر لي امري واحلل عقده من لساني يفقهوا قولي when i was a younger kid um, i always found biology to be one of the most interesting subjects Um, and I remember being in class over and over again and us exploring a different system in the body, whether that's the respiratory system or the cardio system or the, uh, the, the system that regulates our brain and our spinal cord or the one that regulates our hormones. There's so many different systems in our body and each one of them are so precise and in their precision they work with other systems also that we can exist, so that we can live a very normal life. And I found this amazing for a variety of reasons, but one of them being that there is so much nuance to what's happening inside of our body that we're learning about, that we're constantly learning about, but it happens without our knowledge. That maybe we know how the heart works today, maybe we know how the lungs work today, but 10,000 years ago we didn't, but it still worked. that without being self-aware Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave us a mechanism by which we can live our lives even though we don't have to be conscious of it but in that kind of conversation or in my classes one of the parts that i found especially amazing was this idea of homeostasis basically it is the idea that living organisms always try to maintain balance that their entire system is just so that they can have equilibrium. And it says that you can do all kinds of inputs from your external environment. You can eat, you know, a Snickers bar and then your insulin levels will drop inside because it recognizes you have enough sugar or they'll go up if you need more sugar and it'll regulate your system there. That you realize you're running and you're jogging and you need more oxygen, so a part of your body would kick in and it would regulate, it would allow for your system to go faster where you don't have to do something and it'll allow for oxygen to go to your blood, go to your limbs so that you can run faster. And it does this in so many different ways, but the purpose is always homeostasis, that your body is trying to find equilibrium, it's trying to find balance, that it's always seeking balance. And for the most part, generally speaking, no matter what your external situation is, Allah has given us a way by which our body can adapt. And that's why you find human beings being phenomenal organisms, the phenomenal creations of Allah, that generally speaking, we can live anywhere we want. Now, of course, there are extremes where we can't live there. We can't live under the bottom of the ocean. We can't live in ridiculously hot places. We can't live in ridiculously cold places. But generally speaking, we can adapt to our environment because our body is always looking for balance until there's a tipping point. That there's a line where your body says, you know what, I can't regulate this anymore. That this is going to have a negative impact on the way we live our life, on the way we function in a way that I can't find balance. 
So you eat that first donut, and it tastes great. And you got the right amount of sugar, but there's a lot of other stuff that your body doesn't need, so it teaches itself how to screed it. And then you eat a second donut, and it's like, okay, fine. I mean, we had our sugar levels. We had what we needed, but I guess I'll find a way to secrete it. And then you eat the sixth and the tenth and the twelfth donut, and your body doesn't know what to do anymore, so it just shoves it in a compartment, and then you start getting fat. There's always a point that our body can't find balance because our outputs are out, we, because our inputs, rather, are completely impossible to regulate. But it still tries. So it'll tell you that you're still hungry because it didn't get the nutrients that it needs. And you see the next donut and you'll eat it. And you'll keep doing that by feeding it the wrong input. It's trying to look for balance and you're kicking it more out of balance. The reason I mention that is because just like our body, so is our heart. That our heart and our nafs as a whole is always searching for balance. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives us a mechanism or he gives us a prescription, rather, for what balance looks like, but we're putting all of these kinds of inputs, not finding that balance, and we think, maybe I'll just put more donuts into my heart, and it will be okay. You know, Imam Ghazali talks about this in his book, The Alchemy of Happiness. And it's a phenomenal, phenomenal book, hundreds of years ago, and you'll find this, that science, history, so many things have changed, but the human condition has not. We're pretty much the same as we've existed for thousands of years. We follow the same general rules. Anyways, he talks about in his book, he says that the nefs, the human, is composed of multiple different parts. And when those different parts are in balance, you find happiness. And when they're not in balance, you find sadness. You find gham. You find depression. You find instability. You find this need, this craving, and this Un, this inability to not understand why you're not full even though you've eaten 15 donuts. Why aren't we satiated even though I've stuffed my stomach? Imam Ghazali says, generally speaking, we're composed of three parts. And he breaks them further down. But I'm going to say, for the sake of this conversation, he says we're composed of three parts. The nafs is three parts. He says the nafs is hella. It has desire. He says parts of your nafs are the desire to eat the desire to drink, the desire to copulate. He says, in addition to that desire, is this inbred thing of anger and jealousy and these emotions. And he says, in balance, these things are great for you. Without the desire to eat and drink, we would die in what? Three days without drink and in a week without food? That you need these things to exist. Without the need for copulation, the human generation, human existence would end. People wouldn't really care. Without anger, you won't be able to defend your family. Sometimes it's okay to be angry. When someone's knocking on your door, about to break into your house rather, and you have your family to defend, that anger mechanism needs to kick in to defend you and your family so your life is saved. But when they start to kick out of balance, when we drink too much, when we eat too much, when we're angry too much, when we copulate too much, we become what he says, animal, he says that each of these things are, we become creatures that their entire life is this. So we'll say for the sake of this conversation, we become animals. Animals' entire existence is that. He says, that if you eat and you sleep and you copulate and you get angry, what are we but predators and herd cattle? 
Because that's their existence. And he says, that's one part of us. And the other part is our ruh. And he says, the essence of our being, the essence of our nafs is our ruh. That our heart is really our soul. And that true happiness is only found when our soul is fed what it needs and our aqal, our brain, is the regulator that keeps them in balance. That if we're not using our aqal properly, we'll continuously feed our hawa, our desire, and our ruh will continuously be underfed and we'll be completely kicked out of balance. Our nafs will be unhappy. But what happens when our nafs is unhappy? When we don't know how to use our aqal? We just look for more dunya. We look for more food. We look for more drink. We look for more copulation. We look for more entertainment because we know deep down we're not happy. We have all of the luxuries we can imagine. If there's a place to live, it's in the United States. If there is such a thing as happiness exclusively in the dunya, then here is the place to find it. Yet we find unprecedented levels of sadness, depression, suicide, and mental health disturbances because we've only learned how to feed our hawa. And we've lost our ability to use our aqal. Our aqal tells us, Zubair, you've had enough food. Maybe it's time to read Quran. You've had enough drink, maybe it's time to do some dhikr. You've watched enough episodes of Netflix, maybe it's time to just contemplate. You fed your hawa enough, maybe it's time to feed your ruh. But if we don't have a mechanism or an understanding that that's what our aqal is supposed to do, we continue on this trajectory of just feeding our hawa and then we become unhappy and we don't know why. And that's why we come to the masjid week after week after week wondering why we're so sad. We're wondering why we're so spiritually dead. We're wondering that I remember that time when my heart used to be in khashya of the Qur'an. I remember that time when I was a kid and I was 13 or 15 and it was Ramadan and I felt good about being Muslim and now I'm just going through the motions. I remember that time when I used to read Qur'an and I didn't even understand Arabic but that one translation of that one verse impacted me so much that I felt like Iman was true, that I felt like this religion was haq, that I felt like Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala was in my life, that I felt like my heart was alive. But we've lost our way. And the more we become comfortable with feeding our hawa, the more it is easy for our heart to die, and the harder it is to revive it. The more we become comfortable with feeding our hawa, the more our heart begins to die and the harder it is to revive it. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran in many, many places where he talks about this, he says, Allah says, there's a group of people who their final abode is paradise. But who are those people? وَأَمَّا مَنْ خَافَ مَقَامَ رَبِّهِ وَنَهَ النَّفْسَ عَنِ الْهَوَىٰ 
that their nefs, the parts of their nefs that is looking for desire, naha, that they hold it back. They restrain. They want that donut. They want to click next episode. They want to do that thing. The want is human. You understand? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created our ruh in the heavens and He created our nafs from the earth. So our nafs is always going to want dunya. And our ruh is always going to want akhirah. And they're always fighting each other. But unless we use our aql to balance them, we're going to let one run free. You know, aql is the word for consciousness, it's the word for restraint, but it's the word for your brain almost. But not brain in the scientific way, brain in the understanding that there is a part of us that exists above the plane of just existence. That it doesn't just live to find another day, but it says there's got to be something more. There's got to be a purpose. There's got to be something I'm doing. But it actually comes from the word in Arabic, which means to restrain your animal. That when you had a camel or a horse or whatever, you would tie them with the aqal, right? You would tie them with the aqal that restrains them from running free, that our mind, our consciousness is supposed to restrain our nafs and our ruh. Don't get me wrong, our religion isn't just about that either. Is our religion, which we just sit in the masjid all day and we worship Allah with the Qur'an and uh, adhkar? No, the Prophet very clearly said that that's not our religion either. We're supposed to find balance with both. But we've come to the point where that second part is just if we make it to the masjid, if we pray, if we make adhkar, it's just an act of, the, we just do the machinations. We're just doing Allah Akbar, Allah Akbar. We do the steps, but we're not reminding ourselves that there's an internal part. There's a part to our heart that needs to revive. And we forget that part because all we're doing is feeding the other part. You have one of two options. I have one of two options. We either listen to the part that's our body, that's telling us to find indulgence in temptation, good or bad, or we have the option of listening to our ruh. But the more you listen to one, the more the other is silenced. So when we come to Salah, when we come to the Qur'an, when we come to adhkar, we don't even appreciate it because 99% of our time is listening to our bodies. There has to be a point in our life where we shut that down, where we learn restraint, where we use our aql, There has to be a point where we say, this is enough, even if it's not haram. I'm not saying it's haram to watch Netflix. It's definitely not haram to eat, and it's not haram to drink. And it's not haram to copulate. But when our entire life becomes that, the times when we're not doing it, we still can't be in salah properly. We really can't be reading Quran properly. And this is why we have this epidemic. It's not even like one person. You know, when one person suffers something, something, you can speak to them personally or you can advise each other. There is a worldwide epidemic where people feel like spirituality is lost. The masjids are full, but the hearts are empty. And it comes because we let our dunya govern our lives and we rationalize it by saying it's not haram. It isn't haram. It isn't haram to eat, it isn't haram to drink, it isn't haram to copulate, it isn't haram to be angry when it's appropriate, it isn't haram to do a lot of things, but just because it's not haram doesn't mean it's what's best for you.
And a clear example of this is Ramadan. You know, Allah SWT says, we've prescribed for you fasting, like we prescribed amongst, we've prescribed fasting for those before you, so you can find taqwa, so you can regain that relationship with Allah SWT. And we wonder for a moment, how is fasting from food and water and copulation going to allow for us to find taqwa? And there are probably a multitude of examples, but at least it's, we're shutting that part of us that is always about hawa. For 12 hours in this dumb, a day, your hawa has to be restrained. Whether we want to do it or not, at least Allah makes a mechanism where we're forced to stop listening to our hawa. And when you silence your hawa, you'll start hearing the whispers of your heart. And you'll start saying, hey, maybe we should read the Quran. And you'll read the Quran. But you won't just read it because you're reading it, you'll start to feel it for half a second. And then it's iftar time and you'll start grubbing. And then you'll forget, but you'll remember, man, that half a second where I almost felt something was really nice. And then you'll stand in taraweeh. And you'll listen to the Quran. And you'll remember Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that half a second turns into five minutes. And you're really in that khushu' for five minutes. But then it fades away. And by the end of the 30 days, You've trained yourself so much to shut down that hawa that you start to feel Islam again. But then we go back to our old ways for the next 11 months. اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى سيدنا محمد كما صليت على ابراهيم وعلى ال ابراهيم انك حميد مجيد اللهم بارك على محمد وعلى ال محمد كما باركت على ابراهيم وعلى ال ابراهيم في العالمين انك حميد مجيد. There are two parts to this. One part is shutting down the hawa, is shutting down the desire, not because it's haram, but because some parts of our day have to shut that off. We can't just be beasts. And the second part is we have to start working on remembering Allah. The first part of that ayah, وَأَمَّا مَنْ خَافَ مَقَامَ رَبِّهِ it says those who find Jannah are the ones, the second part says they hold down their nafs, they restrain their nafs, but the first part it says that they have khafia, they have fear, they have cognizance of where they're going to stand in front of Allah. That there's going to be a time where they're standing in front of Allah and they have fear of that moment. And because of their fear of that moment, they don't want Allah to be a stranger on that day. So they remember him in this life. That they feed the ruh part two. And I believe you, me, the first 20 times we read Quran, we might not feel anything. And we'll say, well, I don't even feel anything. What's the point? That's because we've lived so long without reviving that part. We're taking that uh, uh, defibrillator, and that defibrillator is the Quran, and we're pushing it on our heart, but it's going to take a few jolts. So the first time when our heart doesn't come back to life, we have to jolt it again. And we have to jolt it again. And we have to jolt it again. But it will come back to life. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala always gives us an opportunity to turn back. But if we give up the first two, three, five times we read the Quran, and we say, well, my heart doesn't feel anything anyways, that's because we've, made, we've let one side live for too long, but it's okay, we can come back. We just have to be consistent and committed. Imam Ghazali talks about this book, in this book, the first thing he says before he talks about the breakdown of the hawa and the aql and the ruh, he says that in order to understand Allah, 
You have to understand the nafs. And in order to understand, I'm adding to nafs, you have to understand Allah. That these two things are circular, they're cyclical. In order for us to understand Allah, we have to understand we're composed of multiple parts. And if we forget who we are, we'll forget Allah. And if we forget Allah, Allah will force us or make us forget ourselves. Allah SWT says, Don't be like the person who forgot Allah. If we don't remember to feed our ruh, the part of us that's always trying to connect with Allah, what will happen? We will become spiritually dead until Allah says, anfusakum," That Allah will make us forget ourselves. A part of who we are is predicated on remembering Allah. And if we don't feed that part, we lose our identity. And you see this again, a part of this epidemic is Muslims and non-Muslims have lost their identity. They don't even know who they are anymore. And we're struggling to find something we're trying to cling on to something that gives us life again, but we keep picking up the 12th donut when we don't realize maybe it's not the donut, maybe we need to eat something healthier. Maybe we need to flush out our system and go back to the Qur'an. I'd like to leave a tangible piece of advice. For now, I have this simple question. Imam Ghazali says this, he doesn't advise us to take anyone path. He says, if you want to be something that just is an animal, then by all means, go for it. If that is your or my goal in life, then it's easy. Just eat, drink, copulate, and watch Netflix. He says, if you want something better, then realize you have to do something different. This Ramadan's coming up in a month. If we want this Ramadan to be better than the ones before, Let's not wait for the 30th or the 29th day of Sha'ban to say, maybe I'll do something different. We have 29 or maybe 22, I don't know how many days exactly, like 28 days left before Ramadan comes. This is our opportunity to ask ourselves, if we just want to be beasts, by all means, continue our trajectory. But if we want to be something better, then we have to do something different. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Is there anything but in the remembrance of Allah that hearts find rest? Is there anything that's going to make us feel satiated except feeding our ruh? I ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that He re-enlivens our hearts. I ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that He allows for this Qur'an to be the, the, the light of our hearts, the light of our chests, and be a guidance in our life. I ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that He allows for us to start using our aql properly. Allahumma arina al-haqqa haqqan wa zukna tiba'a wa inna al-baatila baatilan wa zukna shtidaba. عباد الله إن الله يأمر بالعدل والإحسان وإيتاء الكربة وينحى الفحشاء والمنكر والبغي عذكم لعلكم تذكرون اذكروا الله يذكركم واشكروا زيدكم واتقوا الله يجعل لكم مخرجا وأقيم الصلاة